Hello and welcome to the journalism.co.uk podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Granger. Each week, we bring the most interesting conversations from around the media industry. Today, we'll be discussing how your mobile phone can be the perfect tool to connect with an underserved local community. Here to tell us how is Dan McGarvey, reporter and mobile journalist for CBC Calgary in Canada. Dan is part of a one-man band operating what they are calling a Mojo Pop-Up Bureau. As he explains, in the two years he's been doing this, he's barely stepped foot in his own newsroom. Instead, he works from coffee shops and community centres, filing stories and doing interviews on the fly using his mobile phone. That's producing content for TV, radio, web or social, right from the heart of the community. He explains how this is a solution to connecting with communities that newsrooms have struggled to in the past. And if you feel like giving it a go yourself, you'll also find some first-hand tips for working remotely and reporting on the community. That's all to come. Don't go anywhere. Dan joins us on Google Hangout after this quick message from our jobs board. This podcast is brought to you by journalism.co.uk. We bring you the latest jobs in the media and communications industry. Our job of the week is the group editor position at Western Telegraph. To apply for this opportunity and more, visit our jobs board on www.journalism.co.uk forward slash jobs. Dan, great to have you on the podcast. Let's start with those pop-up bureaus. Um, What are they and how do they work? Yeah, so I guess a a pop-up bureau um, is essentially just myself, some branding for our station, which would be CBC Calgary, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation in Calgary. Um, All I need is a desktop, an iPad, iPhone, um, some equipment, some apps, and I can pretty much go out into the community um, to places that we wouldn't typically have gone in the past and set up uh, a simple mobile newsroom, I guess you could call it, where I can sit and work and edit Uh, previous story while also being uh, out in the community talking to people meeting people and uh, gathering ideas and interviews for my next story okay Uh, what's a typical example of a location that you might be um, appearing at in in the local community Dan? yeah so i I typically um, deal with one particular community in calgary which is the northeast quadrant this city's divided up into into quadrants and the northeast is that area where you would typically find a lot of immigrants, refugees, newcomers, and a a big uh, South Asian community. And we typically uh, have gone there for for, um, bad news. Uh, And we we don't often go and and stay around and cover the the good news, the grassroots uh, community stories, and lots of the positive and colorful things that happen in those communities too. So what I do is I I find places like uh, leisure centers, community spaces, uh, it could be restaurants. It could even just be a table at a coffee shop. And I, I kind of work out where there are going to be people around. And uh, I, I kind of switch locations all the time. So sometimes I'll be out gathering a story. And then when I edit it, I'll just pick one of these places and kind of sit and spend a few hours working and, and talking to people. There's one location that I go to, which is a community hub that serves newcomers. So there's um, a YMCA, there's a leisure center, a library, there's a train station nearby, there's a, an open uh, lobby kind of area where people sit and play cards and, and hang out during the day. And there's also a center um, that serves newcomers with settlement services and things like that. So that's my go-to spot. It's a place called the Genesis Center in Northeast Calgary. 
And I have a lot of success with that simply because it's busy and so diverse with uh, lots of different people coming and going. Uh, and it's just a great place to embed away from the newsroom and out in the community. Lots of interesting stuff there for us to dive into. Uh, how recent is this, uh, Dan? How long have you been doing this for? I'm going to go back a bit. I took a break from journalism, what, three, four years ago. Uh, I actually went to work after nearly 20 years now in journalism in corporate communications. I was working as an assignment editor for several years at the CBC in Calgary, which was essentially a desk job. You know, I probably got a bit bored, wanted to go do something else. I tried that, um, missed journalism a lot and decided to come back and make a return to journalism after kind of three years out of it. And so I'd done my research into what had changed. You could see that mobile journalism was a big emerging uh, new way of doing things. So I thought if I'm going to come back, I'm going to, uh, you know, really get on this. And from day one, I decided I, I will do everything as a mobile journalist. This is about, like I say, three years ago. When I went for this board for the job interview as a reporter, I kind of pitched them in the last 10 minutes to try and set myself apart and do something interesting. I pitched this dream project called the Rome Reporter, which would be reporter out and mobile. And I basically said, you give me a vehicle, you give me independence, and I go off with an iPhone and some apps into underreported communities. And initially it was rural communities because Alberta obviously is a huge uh, landlocked province in Canada and it can take many hours to get to some communities. And logistically, as a journalist, we tend to stay in the city for that reason. So I sold them on the fact that mobile journalism, you know, I could go out and do a four-hour car ride to a tiny village somewhere and uh, report what's going on in that community, file and get back um, in, a, in a timely manner and, and do everything from the field instead of having to come back uh, to the newsroom to do it. And about a year later, after I'd, I got that job, and then about a year later, I got a tap on the shoulder from my boss. He said, do you remember that project that you pitched in your board? We have some money now. Do you want to try doing it? Start next Monday? So I was, sure, let's do it. Then I, got, I was able to go out into rural communities first um, and do that for a few months. And then we decided to refine it. And that's where this idea to kind of focus on the Northeast came, because uh, that is probably the most underreported part of our city. So we built on the success of the, the rural project um, and then applied the same ideas to this Northeast quadrant of Calgary. And, and this is every day. This is your nine to five. This is what you do every day. Yeah. And it's been, it's, it honestly has, it sounds cheesy, but it has changed my life, right? Like I've come back into news, um, embrace this technology. And what this has uh, allowed me to do is not be in the newsroom. So in two years now, I've barely been in the newsroom. I go back to visit because I feel bad because I haven't been there for so long because I'm out in the field all the time. Do people even recognize you in your own newsroom? <laughs> yeah, I go back with a beard and I've lost weight. Who's this guy? Is he new? <laughs> but I, I think it's really important. I, I think more than ever, we are we need to get out of that bubble. And for, for uh, organizations like ours, we, we have a lot of focus on digital. And that means a lot of desk jobs. A lot of younger journalists come in and a lot of work is done from a phone, sat at a desk. Um, and I think at the same time, uh, CBC has this strategic plan, as do all organizations. Ours involves uh, putting audiences and communities first, prioritizing local and regional content and strengthening trust. And it's hard to do that from a desk. I, th I think you really need to get out of that bubble, get away from other journalists and truly immerse yourself out in communities. My editor has a, has a almost favorite saying, which is that you can't do journalism from a newsroom. 
Exactly. Yeah, it's true. And it's, uh, I just don't think it's, sometimes it's not a healthy place to be, to be surrounded by other journalists talking about the news and issues of the day. I, I, I think it's more important to get out into, uh, like I say, into these public spaces and meet people and find out what's important to them, especially as a public broadcaster, and, and do your best to serve those communities uh, through, through news. Mm. And and just expand for me a little bit on the context again, because you touched on the fact that this is a you know this is a hard area for journalists traditionally to break into. Um, why traditionally has that been the case, Dan? Well, I think in terms of like our news values in the past, we've gone like the northeast has you know its fair share of crime and and shootings and gangs and things like that. So we've gone there for the big news of the day. You know, we've gone there for the for the police tape and the lights, and we we go set up. We do our hit, we grab our streeters or our, our vox pops from people at the scene, and we leave. Um, and people notice that. So I I um, spent some time getting to know ethnic media in 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 that area and talking to them. And I sat down. I spent a few hours at a at a South Asian radio station, and just asked them what what are we missing? Like, what are mainstream local media missing in the community? You know, and we, we sat down and they, they told us things like the ethnic media, the South Asian media, they go to people's weddings and funerals and they go to every event and they are, they're, they're truly part of the community. And um, we've never been that, but I know it's, it's where we want to go in terms of, like I say, put this, this plan of putting communities first and really trying to go back to, uh, more grassroots community journalism. So I borrowed a little bit of that and I, I just speak to people about what it is that we could do better and then try and apply that to what I do. What what change have you noticed as a result of doing this? Definitely from a brand standpoint, getting people much more aware of CBC Calgary because in these communities, a lot of times people are coming from other countries and they don't even recognize um, the CBC brand, it's like the equivalent of people not recognizing who the BBC are when you turn up to interview them. They, <laughs> Which sounds crazy in my head as a, as a British journalist. But it, but it happens. Like Some people just aren't aware. They're here from other countries and uh, they, they don't know a lot about us. So a, a lot of it is going in and just building trust, telling people what we do and uh, building relationships and building bridges. But we've built you know way more... Um, uh, on a personal level, I've built a lot of great contacts, friends, become a face in the community. So by staying in the community to file your stories instead of going back to the newsroom, every hour that you're out there, it's another hour of presence in that community. And people get to know who you are. They get to see your face. They get to see your vehicle driving around. Um, so you're kind of building these these like invaluable contacts and this trust in the community. And then when bigger news does come along, there have been instances where there have been other stories that happen and straight away you have the contacts that other people don't have to be able to quickly navigate um, the community and find out who you need to talk to about certain issues and events and you can make things happen much faster and much more smoothly with the trust that you've built up along with the contacts um, and other media come in who maybe haven't spent that time and it takes twice as long to get everything done. And sometimes they don't have access or all that trust to the same contacts that you do. So you reap the rewards of putting the time and effort into getting to know a community. Any good examples of that, of how being immersed in the community in this way has helped you to 
you know, piece uh, a story together and, and find something which is, you know, otherwise that you would have never discovered if you'd have remained in your newsroom. Yeah, I mean, I, we do a lot of stories, like I say, facing immigrants and refugees. To, to make those stories come alive, you need people. Um, I speak a lot to agencies and organizations, but having a network of, uh, of people that I can go to now that can um, connect me with um, real life examples, someone who's just arrived here two weeks ago someone who's just arrived here six months ago, uh, Syrian refugees, uh, someone from the Filipino community or someone from Africa who's just arrived here. You know, it's like I, I can access real the real people that I need for stories a lot easier um, through building these contacts. And, and that that is a much more effective way to tell the stories than simply through an agency voice, uh, somebody at a desk. Um, so that's that's one way that, that, that it's really helped. And, and, and do people come up to you when you're sat there in, in maybe a cafe or a local community centre? They, they come and talk to you? I have a little pull-up banner, a little marketing banner, but it's a tiny one. So I could sit like at a table for two in a cafe or, or whatever this community space may be, a restaurant. And I can pull up a little banner. It has a picture of my face on it. Um, it says, tell me your story. It has a CBC Calgary logo. And I would usually put like a branded, a couple of coffee cups there. I have a little bowl with some pin badges that people can take. I have my iPad and what I do is I set up my Mojo equipment. So I have my tripod and my iPhone, microphone, a light. So people, it, it draws attention to uh, to the space that I'm in. But yeah, people will come up, um, either people who, who I've met before, I will chat to, you know, reconnect with people that I've met in the community in the past on past stories. Or people, complete strangers will come up and just say, what is this? Tell me your story. What is this all about? And I get to tell them about CBC, about what we do, about what I'm doing in the community. And sometimes I'll get ideas for future stories. Um, and I'm also able to grab an interview on the spot if someone has an interesting story because they have my kit there. But it's it's not like I get a story a day from this. Um, but I, I get some here and there. And like I say, it's more about just having that presence. I'll be there anyway, working on other stories. So a story I might have gathered the day before, I'll be sat filing and uh you know, so so I'll be in the space anyway, working on a different story. So I'm not, I'm never in a position where I'm simply sat waiting for news to arrive at my uh, little desk. So. so, so when you leave the house in the morning, Dan, do you know what you'll be, what story you'll be turning around that day? Is it, is it planned or does it change? What, what What's the reality of the situation for you? Yeah, so I usually have a, a story ideas list. Let's say I might have 20 stories or 20 ideas um, that are all doable, some more easily than others just for my own benefit to have a list because it's pretty scary if you go out <laughs> and you've got absolutely nothing and you're just trying to find something that day so I have a list of things I can work on and then if something better comes along or something more timely comes along I can switch to that I try and plan my week to do kind of anywhere between uh, one and three stories so it averages out at about two stories a week um, full stories where a radio voice piece and clip a tv package all produced a full web story with photos some social video and sometimes I'll do current affairs content so it might be two or three minutes of raw tape or in some cases uh, I could do a talk tape which is I guess a, a two-way in the UK where you would sit in the studio and and tell a story with some clips in there as well and what are your hours like do you get to set your own hours Yes. Yeah. So, so I, with uh, community work like this, a lot of the times there are events that uh, go into the evening or there might be events on a weekend. 
So you have to be, it doesn't work as a nine to five. Um, so it's not for everybody. I think, you know, if, if people are thinking of um, doing this, I know other shops in Canada, other stations here are looking at uh, kind of uh, picking this up and trying to do their own version of it. But it does take the right person. You know, you've got to have like uh, somebody who's definitely flexible and who can uh, pick and choose hours and, and make it work for them. But like I said, the, the, the personal reward for getting that independence and flexibility, I think, is, uh, is a game changer. Mm. And you presumably have an have an editor above you. How do you keep in contact with them? Make sure that you're you're you know on on task for deliverables. What's the what's the dynamic? Yeah, I have the news editor back on the desk, and I would talk to them via text message, email, a phone regularly, a few times a week. I would let them know what's coming, what to expect, um, what platforms I'd file for. If I'm going to gather video, I speak to a separate um, video producer now who I can give them an idea of what's going to come and then they can work out if they think that has potential for social or whether it's just going to be a TV pack or if, if visually it might not make a full pack, it might be more of a VO clip type of treatment for TV. So we talk about what the treatments are going to be, but traditionally it's always a voice piece and, and script clip for radio and usually a TV pack because I try and pick stories that work visually and then a web story as well. So... They know what they're going to get. When I say I have a story, they assume it's going to be for all platforms. And then we kind of work out what, what other treatments uh, might be applicable. And again, if there's going to be a different type of radio current affairs treatment for one of, say, for our breakfast show, they might want an interview with the person that I interviewed or some tape or in some cases, I'll come into the studio. It doesn't happen very often. And we do one of these sit down kind of two way stories where I get five minutes to tell them what I've been up to and, and play some clips and kind of tell them the story firsthand. For you for you personally, Dan, what is it like meeting these people in your community? What fulfillment does that give you as a journalist? It's like a 50-50 thing. It's great uh, as a journalist and it's great, like I say, just as a human to, to get to know people from different countries and get to meet people in, in different situations and get to learn about cultures and get to learn about their religions and what's important to them. Um, and to get welcomed into people's homes and welcomed into communities. I've been in situations where I've taken my, my family to people's houses to, you know, to have like iftar dinner during Ramadan and things like that, where I've been invited uh, into the home and I'll, I'll take my family to events as well. So it's kind of, I've shared this experience along the way over the last two years with my whole family as well. You know, my family are used to going to things in the Northeast that I certainly never got exposure to in the northeast of England as a kid, because I, I don't come from a particularly diverse place, right? County Durham and North Yorkshire. And, and uh, as a kid, I wouldn't have uh, seen much diversity at all. So it's kind of, um, it's, it's, it, it was new and interesting for me and kind of way out of my comfort zone to, uh, to be doing this when I first headed out. And it can be quite daunting. You know, I just turn up at someone's front door, knock on it, and I, I don't know what I'm going to get, what to expect, and especially with barriers around language and cultural barriers too. Mm. We've, we've talked a lot about the significance and the kind of benefits of being visible and in the, in, in, in the public domain as a journalist. Was the reverse ever true, that it would be something of a concern being this exposed in public and you'd be drawing a lot of attention to yourself as a journalist? But was that ever a, a consideration? It might be for other people in other parts of the world. Canada is... A safe country. Calgary is a really safe city. It's never really been discussed as part of what I do, but again, just out in the community, wherever you are, 
um, as a journalist working alone, you're always careful and, you know, you're, it's kind of maybe in the back of your mind sometimes in some situations, but it's never been uh, a concern for me. I've never had any negative experiences everywhere I go. I've been, I've been welcomed and I've been in some, you know, uh, protest situations and situations around some pretty uh, sensitive events where things have been heated and, um, I do a pretty good job of just being a fly on the wall, which is what I'm supposed to do, you know. But, you know, maybe in other centers, uh, it, it would be a different story if someone was looking at doing this in a different part of uh, the country or a different part of the world. Sure, I can see that working alone like this in uh, communities that aren't used to having journalists around and people from lots of different backgrounds, it might be worthy of uh, some consideration for sure. Was it Was it a surprise to some of the local... Uh, the local citizens, the local people that, you know, not just was there a, a journalist on the doorstep here and waiting to speak to people, but when it comes to, comes to doing interviews, there you are with your mobile phone. Was, was that a surprise at all to them? It's always a relief. When I pull out the phone and they find out that it's an iPhone, sometimes you get a visible, you know, you get a sigh from people of relief that uh, that's all it is. Some people think there's going to be a, a camera guy turn up or a lighting guy or so the the what the first thing I get instantly a barrier comes down, and basic things like eye contact and just personal space that phone in between us isn't a barrier. People are used to having a phone. They're used to seeing phones. They're used to um, FaceTiming. They're used to being on video on a phone. They're used to talking on a phone. So it's the perfect tool for this for this line of work i think not not good journalistically for everything you know like press conferences and podium speeches and things like that there there there's a lot of weaknesses too but for for this uh, line of work getting out into the community and often dealing with people who've come from uh you know places like syria war torn countries sensitive situations people who aren't used to the media and don't have a lot of trust in the media the the less equipment that you have and, and the fewer barriers that you put between yourself and the people that you're interviewing, I find the more successful both the bridge building goes and the actual interviewing process goes as well. It's it's so interesting that the mobile phone, as you're saying, is is this way to make the the situation a little bit more comfortable for the for the interviewee and to be that bridge between, you know, the the, the local community and and the reporter. Has there been a standout moment in your mind, like a favorite spur of the moment situation that you've been involved with um, so far? Yeah, I, I, do you know what some of the some of the things where I've gone to like cultural events and, and festivals? I went to um, I did a story uh, with the Hindu community late last year um, around um, the festival that um, celebrates Ganesh and. I had a battery pack in my back pocket. I didn't know what to expect. I turned up my phone and I just got swept away down this street party, down the street. I got covered in all kinds of uh, dyed powders all over my face and hair, all over my phone, on my microphone, down my, <laughs> all over me, basically. I didn't know what to expect. I, uh, and I just got swept away on this kind of one kilometer loop around this uh, South Asian community. And when you don't have time to think about what you're gathering video wise, it was just super fun to get swept away. And again, having a big camera wouldn't have worked, but having this, having this iPhone hooked up to my battery pack, I was able to uh, just shoot a lot of video right from the center of this super colorful, super loud um, celebration, 
no other news cameras uh it wouldn't it wasn't on anybody else's radar it was just a very it was in out of someone's home it was just a very grassroots community celebration things like that where it's just spur of the moment you just there's no planning involved you just got to whip the phone out and and start shooting they're probably my favorite situations and just the great video that you get from being so immersed in in the center you can get right into the thick of it and and get some great video. Uh, final, final, final question from me, Dan. Uh, what would be your best piece of advice for our listeners and another journalist out there, perhaps wanting to replicate uh, these Mojo pop-up newsrooms that you're doing? I guess you've got to be prepared to just to to get out there and take some risks in terms of initially uh, content. You can't expect to have a story that day or the next day. You have to invest time, um, be genuine slowly build trust and uh and uh, build build contacts in communities get to know the community really get to know the community by spending all of your time there um and and listening to what people have to say i just think this for me is all about serving underreported communities so in your town or your city wherever you are you can you can look for groups that you don't see in the news uh, and that you don't see represented on the mainstream media. And I think it's about simply going to find those groups and asking them what matters to them and what's important to them and what they think we're missing in terms of covering their communities. And it's painfully simple. It is, it's just (laughs) the most kind of, uh, simple form of journalism i think is just driving to a place getting out of a car maybe with no plan and just seeing what's happening in the community it's it's really not rocket science and i think we should be doing way more of it and mobile journalism has given us the the simple tools to do that perfectly and in order to achieve that is it fair to say that you would require lenience from from your editor in order to pull off these kind of stories? You can't be rushing. You can't be sort of worried about your next deadline. You have to take your time and make sure that these stories are right and they they come up when when they do. Yeah, there's got to be some investment from the yeah from the editorial side uh, from the newsroom as well because they would love a story every day, but that that's going to defeat the purpose of what you're trying to do. And also in some of those communities, it takes time. Like sometimes simple language barriers to find the person who can articulate what you want them to in English that's going to be broadcastable on the radio is a struggle. You might have to go to like two or three people before you find the one person whose English is good enough, for example. So that's always a barrier. But um, yeah, you just need flexibility and a newsroom that's willing to just give it a try and and, and experiment a bit, Um, which is a big ask these days because we're all trying to do um, more work with less people and less money um, so it is a big ask but I think the returns in the over the long term can be really worthwhile that's so insightful I particularly liked what you said about how the mobile phone can be that kind of bridge to help diffuse some of those situations where the the interviewee might not be as comfortable um, thanks very much for all of your time and it's been a it's been a pleasure speaking to you about the uh, mojo pop-up bureaus yeah it's been a pleasure uh, sharing my insights with you it's been great so there we have it lots of useful advice and insight there from dan thanks to you at home or on the commute for tuning in i've been your host jacob granger we have a network event for journalists in about two weeks time at king's cross in london come and meet the team i'd love to have a chat that's on the 4th of february 2020 don't worry 
There's no pictures or presentations, just a friendly meetup for journalists and other media folk. Details on how to RSVP for that event are on the website. If you like what you heard, don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. You'll find us on the journalism.co.uk podcast. Don't forget we're on Twitter as well at Journalism News if you'd like to be featured on the podcast. My DMs are open as well. I'm at JPG Journalism. But that's all we have time for this week. Until next time.